Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast, episode 169. We had a question sent in by a PBSE listener who's a partner uh, who's in uh, healing from betrayal trauma. Uh, her partner is an addict in recovery. She sent in a really good question that uh, it happens a lot, probably doesn't come up as often as it needs to, but let's read what she says. She says, I would love to hear a discussion on the effect of resentment on the partner in recovery. My husband and I have been married for 19 years. D-Day was 15 months ago. And since then, my husband has been sober, began to enter into recovery. He he attends SA and I attend SNON. Way to go. We've both been working on working with therapists individually. I listened to your episode on resentment several times because so much of what you said resonated with me. I too experienced the hurricane of my husband's moods how I had to live on eggshells for years, never knowing the true reality of addiction that he was in. Mm. in. Those years, the resentments were really difficult to live with, and I think I numbed them out and focused on raising our kids. However, I find now that my resentments creep out as we navigate recovery, and it hurts so much as I'm feeling them all deeply in my soul and whole being. Could you address resentments from a partner's perspective? The boundaries needed and any tips for navigating recovery when relationship setbacks seem so consequential and painful. Thank you so much. I'm learning so much from your podcasts. Uh, we, we appreciate that. Uh, listener. Thanks for, thanks for writing in. Um, yeah, there's, this is a great, it's a great topic. You know, we oftentimes, first of all, we really do connect with the frustration that you're feeling and uh, empathize with it. I, it, this recovery process is so hard and there are so many different sides to it. You know, we oftentimes are on the podcast, we focus on kind of the in the trenches work, but there are still, I guess, prickles, you could say along the way, right? Even after you've really got the process down and the basics down, uh, because there are real blessings, but also some bittersweet moments that come um, as you continue to kind of develop out in terms of 
safety and the relationship and getting back to a connected place. And we're going to talk all about that. So we just really appreciate, you know, your bravery and your willingness to even uh, continue in this as I'm sure your, your spouse does as well. Um, you know, addicts, oftentimes when we talk about resentments and I, that's why I think we like this, we like this uh, topic so much is, is, you know, typically when, when somebody thinks of addiction, I think they tend to, and, and if somebody were to mention the, the term resentment or, or the anger, the reactivity, Oftentimes, most people would think of of the addict, right? And and I and that's definitely a a true, that's definitely a true sentiment. I mean, I myself, I I tell my clients all the time. I I have a master's degree in therapy, but I have a I have a doctorate or two in 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 resentment. Um, I used to resent all the time, <laughs> in in my marriage, other people. I was constantly concealing negative, ang- negative, angry feelings from other people, not owning them or taking ownership of them, and was always shoving those kinds of things down. And uh, and so that's very much a true. That's very much true. But you know, spouses find themselves in this place of of uh, doing that, and and there's a whole kind of set of reasons for that. And and even more than that, you know, when we look at the when we, I, I like how she, you know, Mark, how she put here in her. Uh, in her message, you know, I lived on eggshells for years, yep. right? Because of fear and because of some other things we're going to jump into in here in just a second. It's very, very common for spouses to build up resentments and for those resentments to manifest, not just in early recovery or as we're working through situations in real time, for very real reasons, those oftentimes will come up days, weeks, months, sometimes years down the road. Yeah. I mean, this was the case. This was the case with me and my wife. I mean, she, she was raising six kids and she told me after we started to get healthy, she said, I knew you were having massive issues and all your stuff, but she said, I, I couldn't pay attention to that. I had six kids to raise. Yeah. So, and plus my mood, she, she had to see where I was and is he going to blow up at me? And right. I got to go along to get along because I have this whole other family to manage. And what happens in this process, and this this really surprises both the addict and the, the partner in betrayal trauma healing, they'll get into good recovery like this couple, right? 15 months since D-Day, they're both seeing a therapist, they're both in 12-step. And now it's like, wait, we're well into this. It's It's over, it's almost a year and a half into the process. Why am I as a partner feeling all of these resentments on my part? Well, I would say because probably for the first time, there's been a long enough history now of recovery on his part and you getting help that you finally probably feel safe enough and clear-minded enough to actually begin to feel the legitimate things that you've been carrying all along. The environment just got into such a place that you could actually bring this stuff forward. And that takes a long time sometimes. That's why we, you and I often say, Steve, the, the partner in, in betrayal trauma healing will often, quote, lag behind the addict in his recovery. Because mm. the, the environment, <clears throat> the situation didn't exist for her, number one, to even understand what she's been was feeling. And number two, two feel safe enough to feel it, let alone express it. And so... Yeah, our hearts go out to these partners like, yeah, it takes a long time for you to get to the place where you can actually start to feel and process and lean in and understand what you're going through. Yeah, no, so, so true. And, uh, you know, we really, again, connect with this with this survival mode. Uh, I, I remember the same thing happening with my wife as well. I mean, when you're just trying to survive the day as a spouse in this process. 
And when you're also operating from that place of fear, right, where you are fearing your partner's reaction. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my, I can't even, I don't know. I don't think I have words to describe to, to describe how hard I think I was to be married to during this time. I mean, I would just get so, ugh, it was like a combination of mopey slash vicious slash bitter slash just Eeyore-ish, right? Like a, for like <laughs> yeah. a better of term, it just, everything's Mark, Mark one time on the, on the podcast, he, he came up with, he, he borrowed a, a song from a, or a phrase from a song and changed it. What is it? Everybody, everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I think go, I'll eat I some think, worms or think I'll go, think I'll look at porn. Yeah. I think I'll look at porn. Right. I mean, we just, <laughs> oh, we, we addicts, we can be really hard to live with. And so you're just trying to get through, you know, that is, that is really critical, but when you know in terms of in terms of developing safety you know safety really does happen on on two sides and we're going to talk briefly at the end here about um the safety that a, that a spouse can provide an addict and a recovering addict partner can and needs to be providing we have other podcasts for that where we cover that in detail so we'll just mention it briefly but if we were to jump into a little bit here at the safety that can be cultivated with self you know this this whole idea of figuring out boundaries and uh, creating a safe space for yourself um, is is really really important. Now, boundaries and and self care are two humongous topics that we can't unfortunately get into in a ton of in depth here. We do have again other podcasts on both of those. Um, we also cover those topics, uh, by the way, uh, on our Dare to Connect program. We'll talk a little for addict spouses and couples. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes, but. Um, those those podcasts in the meantime would be something we, we'd ask you to go reference for sure. Um, but personal boundaries right around your own, not just with yourself, but with your partner. And that, those are two kind of sets of boundaries, right? One would be setting a set of boundaries around your self-care, practicing some mindfulness and figuring out whether it's with just with yourself and through some journaling or working with a professional or maybe a sponsor to figure out, you know, what do I need on a daily basis? right? For emotionally health, healthy functioning and healing, not just for functioning, but the healing part is critical. I think so many spouses that we work with become geared to just asking themselves about the functioning, right? How to get through the day. And the goal here is to, is to be asking oneself, not how do I survive? That's how we all, that's how you all did it in the past. As you start moving towards this more, this more elevated place in recovery or in, into more longer term recovery, like she describes, how do I how do I utilize my resources and set myself up to, for success to really thrive today, right? To have, yeah. to really fill my bucket. Because if you've, if you've had years or decades of not having a safe environment with your addict partner, it's going to be really tough to get into a place where the, where the safety and, you know, his work and the trust is restored. That takes a long time. In the meantime, Absolutely. before that's fully restored, how as a partner in in healing from betrayal trauma, do you create the environment for yourself where your own self-care, your own support system outside of him, how can you rely on and lean to into all of that so that you don't have to wait for the full trust and safety through him to be restored? Because if you're waiting for that, you'll be stuck in this resentment endlessly. You don't have to stay stuck there. You can you can lean into your own self-care and your own support system to create your own safety so that you can begin to heal. And we yes. really encourage that separate from him. 
Absolutely. Yeah, those boundaries with self are so important. And oftentimes they do get neglected. We so are so quick to shift the boundaries discussion, right, to well, boundaries you have with your partner. And that is true, right? And again, we'd reference you to other podcasts that we've done in the past about those uh, for specifics on how to do that. But making sure that you know you are not, are not just setting those with him, but setting yourself up for success and saying, you know what, I can't be there for my husband, for my kids, for the people in my life that matter unless I'm there for myself first, right? Loving other people means I need to be able to love myself first. And so how can I do that today? Um, so really, really critical component now. And now there are lots of other things that need needs to happen here, right? In addition to just that, you know, this trauma focused therapy component is really important. Um, individual trauma exercises can, can also be really helpful. Um, we talk about journaling on here constantly. Yep. <laughs> Mark and I, yep. Uh, we're always discussing journaling, it seems. And here again is another way in which journaling journaling can be utilized. You know, when it when it comes to exploring one's own resentments, especially for a spouse, I think it's a safe bet to say that many or much, if not most of those resentments uh, would be centered around trauma that's been experienced in the relationship, right? And trauma, again, other podcasts on that available that we that we have done, but trauma sometimes is more of an active uh, an active verb, meaning we've been actively traumatized by our partner. Maybe we've been neglected by our partner. Right. There's lots of different forms that that takes, but resentment is oftentimes a symptom of that unresolved trauma. And so in addition to just working on the resentments themselves, a good place to really start is to begin mapping out what trauma has looked like for you. Right. What your trauma response styles are um, and 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 being able to really uh, ask yourself questions like, you know, where when it comes to like the fight, flight, freeze response, where have I typically gone to? And in what ways has that maybe caused me to shove real authentic emotions down in the past, right? Where have I stuffed things? Because that's really where resentment comes from, right? Is where have I stuffed things when I should have been moving through them? Yeah. And how, you know, and I need to identify what those are. And so, yeah, there are lots of different exercises for that. One, um, it would be a trauma timeline. Um, we've, we talk about, uh, exercises like the trauma timeline a lot and dare to connect. But if we were to give like a really brief description, just like the name implies, this would mean essentially sitting down and beginning a timeline of where did trauma happen and occur in this relationship or possibly out of the relationship. If you're wanting to go that far, what were the messages that I learned from those, from that trauma and what things did I stuff down because it wasn't safe at the time to express. Right. So kind of going through that in a linear fashion can at least begin to help you map those things out. Um, and then, of course, as you start to map those out, finding a voice for expressing those with your partner, whether it's in therapy or the two of you together, depending on what the relationship is able to tolerate. Those are all, all really good ways to begin pulling that out and, and getting that out. Yeah. And the trauma timeline can then lead into a little bit more advanced work with that. We call, you know, cathartic journaling Yeah, you do extensive journaling where you start to, you know, write more of your feelings and become more in depth with it. One of the other areas, in fact, we just had the entire month of March in our D2C program was focused focused on this. You know, we have a topic every month and it was on thinking errors, Mm. right? thinking errors that we adopt in order as a way to keep us safe. Things, you know, black or white thinking, all or nothing, overgeneralizing, mind reading, um, you know, all, all these different kinds, we think we had like, what, 
10, at least 10 major thinking error areas yes. that uh, we use to protect ourselves. And one of the things we took the partners through last month in March was helping them recognize their own thinking errors. By the, by the way, very legitimate thinking errors because of what they've been through, but how to recognize those and begin to process through them so they could move into more healthy thinking, uh, the healthy thinking area. That was a, a big focus last last month. So so thinking errors and looking at those is also a big way to go at this. So those are a lot of ideas for the spouse. <clears throat> now let's not forget that in this situation, the the spouse of the this partner, the guy who's in recovery, he also has his side of the street on this. Absolutely. He needs to be focusing on creating safety for her. Right. His job is to create a safe environment where she has the greatest opportunity for healing and build, rebuilding trust and, and feeling safe. He needs to learn to do that and to keep and to be working on it on a consistent basis. Right. And consistent is the real key word there. Yes. He demonstrating consistently that he's able to show up, lean into her pain, you know, break out of his old behaviors of being moody. And, you know, causing her to walk on eggshells and all the stuff that he's done in the past. Being he, reactive, whatever that looks like. Yep. His reactivity, all that stuff. Is he yeah. looking to self-regulate and yes. rely on his own outside support system so that he can create this environment where she can heal and feel safe and rebuild trust so that her resentment can reduce? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and we do have a four-step process for that that we actually teach guys in, in in Dare to Connect. We don't have the time to be able to go into it in depth uh, like we do there, but uh, that would be uh, that's just one of the many tools that we offer in, in our program to be able to for him to be able to kind of uh, process and set himself up for success when it comes to providing that safety. And guys, uh, speaking of that, if you have not yet taken a look at Dare to Connect, you really should. Um, we are offering a two-week trial on that right now. That continues to be an ongoing offer that we have. And uh, we continue to expand the program with new features, uh, new content, and uh, it's a living interactive program where you can come and learn, have your own group uh, with other addicts, other partners, other couples. Each of those demographics uh, has their their own groups where we can come together, learn, grow together, and, and uh, get support. So anyway, we would love to have you guys join us so you can find more info on that at uh, daretoconnectout.com, and we can uh, connect you with that free uh, free trial. Um, but, but when it comes to, you know, as we wrap up here, if this has resonated for you as a spouse today, um, and possibly if you're an, maybe you're an addict partner, uh, who is struggling with, with your own resentments and maybe whether it's from this relationship or past ones, may we suggest that you, you start to break down and, and make a trauma timeline like we discussed. Um, that can be something that you can start and make as simple or as in depth as you want. But the whole point is to begin to start where your brain is able to start, you know, start mapping where you're comfortable and to start identifying, you know, what were these messages that, what were these messages that these experiences, these traumas, they taught me, you know, what, how did those impact me? And, and what, and as a result, you know, which, in which ways did I learn specifically that it wasn't safe to be open and share? In what ways did I learn that, Hey, I had to keep this information or that information conceal because I can't share that for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? And what, and, and what strategies, survival strategies did you use to cope with that along the uh, way on your timeline? 
And then once you've once you've done that timeline, you can start to step back and look at that and, and say, okay, how can I now begin to change my approach going forward mm-hmm. so that I don't keep repeating this? Yes. What what would be what would be more healthy ways to deal with my, you know, with my trauma and resentments? What does my outside support system look like? What does my daily self-care look like? Mm-hmm. Right. That trauma timeline is a really great way to start to be able to to step back and look at this and see it. Otherwise, we just we just we stay stuck, right? It's the old. You, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting, and we want to break out of that. And yeah. so, the trauma timeline is a great place to start. Absolutely. Well, guys, as always, thank you for joining us for the podcast. We always love and appreciate you. Do co- do come and join us on D2C. We'd love to see you there. In the meantime, if you have any brief questions you'd like to submit to the podcast, you're always welcome to at pbscpodcast.com down at the bottom of the contact form. We'd love to hear from you there, and we'll do our best to address those in, in the short manner in which we can do these these shows. But we we so love and appreciate all of you. We're we're coming up on half a million downloads for the podcast since we started. And uh, you know, we just keep growing. So we're glad that you're finding hope and success here and hope that you'll continue to come back. Um, with that said, guys, have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Yeah. See you next time. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.